You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, Mr. Announcer Guy. This is Pros Like Us. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Always looking to improve. I'm Lou. Alex is here as well. We've got a great show. A lot to get to today. So uh, let's get right into it. But, uh, well, first and foremost, Alex, how are you doing? After the Hale Murray, how are you doing? I'm doing better than the Buffalo Bills at this point. You uh, think you have the game won. And it looks like you know, you've got a pass rusher in Kyler Murray's face. And you're thinking, hey, I've got this guy. There's no way he's going to be able to launch this ball. There's no way he's going to be able to uh, throw across his body what, 40 or 50 yards downfield. And Kyler Murray was, was amazing with that throw. And it wasn't only the catch. I mean, I was, I was even more impressed by by the throw because not many quarterbacks aside from Patrick Mahomes not many quarterbacks can make that throw absolutely not and uh, more importantly it kind of bailed me out on one of my picks got me a push did not the win uh, they took a knee on the uh, on the extra point just to uh, I guess save the uh, the pick two or the fumble return two going the other way. So uh, anyway, I'll I'll take that push in that situation every every time. So anyway, well, one of the topics we want to talk about today. I mean, there's a lot of decent teams this year. Uh, a lot of teams are sitting there at six and three. One of them is the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we talk a lot about the teams at the top, a lot about the teams at the bottom. Let's focus in on one of these teams. Like I said, the, the Indianapolis Colts, they're 6-3. and three. Looking, looking at their schedule, they, obviously their biggest win was this past one, Thursday night, on the road at Tennessee. They kind of rolled them. I mean, and Tennessee's struggling a little bit, and that's kind of, that's a whole other topic we should probably get into at some point. But I mean, that's really the only decent win they have, but here we are. But they're at six and three. They did win at Chicago, but Chicago can't score. You know, I I don't know where to go with this. I have a little bit of a soft spot for them. The GM Ballard is from the Chiefs uh, front office. He came from there. They've got Justin Houston, so I get a little bit of a soft spot. Old Man Rivers, if if you will. But uh, Alex, what do I guess? What are your general thoughts on the Colts? I think we're going to find out this week if the Colts are for real. And uh, according to Bovada Sportsbook, the Colts are a two and a half point favorite at home versus the Packers. So that's going to be the game that certainly everyone is going to be paying attention to because we're going to find out if this defense is really elite. Because if you want to be called elite or a very good defense, you have to be able to stop some of these really good quarterbacks in the league and Aaron Rodgers last time I checked is is still on the MVP radar he's still having a good season having that bounce back season so I want to see how they do against the Packers this week you have to be impressed by that defense and I also felt like the special teams rose to the occasion against the Titans it wasn't only the defense they made plays on special teams I have mixed feelings about the Colts I mean you watch one game, Philip Rivers looks great, and then the next game, he is doing what he does at times. He turns the ball over, and 
takes unnecessary risks and and throws picks. T.Y. Hilton is not having a great year. He's probably having his worst year as a pro, and the injuries have taken its toll on him. The running game hasn't gotten going. I think Jonathan Taylor, the rookie running back out of Wisconsin, was, I think, everyone's favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year because usually running backs get that honor. And he hasn't been able to get that going. If you look at the numbers, the offensive line hasn't been great. It has actually taken a step back this year from the previous two years. So can the defense carry the day without having a strong running game, without having too many playmakers on the outside? I hope Michael Pittman steps up. We saw a better game uh, from him against the Titans. He went over 100-plus yards after coming back from an injury. And Naheem Hines has been carrying this team as a receiver, as a running back. He's been that that gadget player, that Darren Sproles type of player. Again, it's still a wait-and-see for me. I want to see what they will do against the Packers. Where do you stand on this situation? Where do you stand on the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, again, I don't think I don't think they're they're really that good. Uh, I think at the end of the day, and yeah, they won at Tennessee, and that's a huge deal. And I think Tennessee has a lot has a lot more upside just based on their experience from the playoffs last year. But again, they they've ha- they've had their issues, and Taylor Lewan being out is a, is a big deal. Um, Matt Eberflus, you know, here we talk a lot about you know these these jobs coming up, and typically we talk about the offensive guys, but here's a guy, the defensive coordinator, that's done a tremendous job uh, with these guys. But again, you look at the games that they've played in. I mean, they lost at Cleveland. I mean, that's typically not a game you should lose if you're going to be a really good team. They lost their opener against the Jags. You know, it was the first game with Rivers. I get it, you know, maybe we give them that, but again, Tennessee, we'll see. You know, Green Bay, that's that game actually opened up as Green Bay being the favorite. So it tells me that uh, the early money at least is coming in on the Colts for that line to move the way it did in the opposite direction. So normally that signals to me that should be one of my picks is to go with Green Bay cuz usually the original favorite is the best pick. No, then they come back, you know, Tennessee after they play the Packers at Houston. I mean, Houston's not that good. At Las Vegas, the Raiders, then Houston again. They finish with Pittsburgh and then at home with Jacksonville. So it's going to be some tough sledding. But if Tennessee keeps stumbling, then you got to like the Colts to win the division. But still, if I had to make a pick, I say Tennessee will right the ship and they have a little bit more, you know, a few more pieces. As you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton's been a major disappointment. You saw, I think, Thursday night that Pittman from USC. Is starting to get a lot more action, uh, Pascal. Uh, so they got a lot of no names as far as offensive weapons. I mean, Doyle and, and Mo Ali Cox at tight end. But you know, can you rely on those guys? Are those guys playoff type players? You mentioned the offensive line's been a little bit of a disappointment. So I'm going to say uh, no. I'm going to I'm going to stick with Tennessee to win this division. I may be on a sinking ship there too, but I'm going to stick with Tennessee in this case. The way the Colts are built, the way that defense is built, if you have a great defense, then you have to have a running game. And I felt like the Colts had that two running back monster with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Mack went down. It looked like the road was cleared for Taylor to just 
get it going and he just he hasn't been the same running back he he hasn't been great at breaking tackles something that he was known for at Wisconsin it wasn't all the the offensive line he showed good vision in college and that seemed to have disappeared he's not a decisive runner right now he's also struggling in pass protection I think a lot of people are wondering why is he getting why isn't Jonathan Taylor getting more carries but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he is just he's struggling in pass protection and he needs to get going I think if they get that running game going then their play action passing is going to be more effective with Philip Rivers but that leads me to my next topic Lou Philip Rivers, just overall, when you look at his body of work, his career, and it's been a good one with the San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, now he's moved on to to the Indianapolis Colts for at least a year. Where do you put him in a nutshell with all those other all-time great quarterbacks? As far as all-time greats, uh, I mean, he's probably going to be you know in the top, 20 at least. I mean, that might be a little conservative, but I would say for sure top 20. He came in with a class in 2004 of uh, with Eli Manning and, and Ben Roethlisberger. Of course, they both have won multiple Super Bowls. Philip has not. They both played fairly early. Ben, I mean, immediately as, as, as a rookie, not maybe immediately, but with Tommy Maddox, I think got hurt and then Ben came in, they ended up you know, going to the Super Bowl. And Eli, obviously, you know what, what he's done. So he's always going to be compared to those guys, which, again, could be, you know, a, a difficult task because he's not going to get two Super Bowls. He may, you know, unless something really turns this season, he's probably not going to get any or even have played in one. You know, when I think of Phil, you know, grit, a gamer, uh, he has not missed a start since he began starting in the NFL. I think it was his third season. First two years, uh, Drew Brees was a starter there in uh, San Diego. But 233 consecutive starts. He plays through a, a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game in 2007. You know, he, he got hurt the week before against the Colts, and then he. he those are the things that, that come to mind. Gunslinger, right? That 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 crazy, weird motion. We can look at the statistics. I mean, he's up there in a bunch of stuff. TD passes. You know, he's in the top five or six yards you know he's a little bit further down completion percentage 65 percent eight pro bowls i gotta say he and i think we we said this uh off air just a few minutes ago i think you brought it up he may be the best if not the best quarterback to never have gone to a super bowl maybe not a first ballot but i think at some point he does get in i think it's him and like warren moon Warren Moon never went to uh, the Super Bowl as well, but I would put Philip Rivers as, as my number one guy. You mentioned in 2007 playing through a torn ACL, and he had a bad game, but LT was also hurt in that he game. Did, he I didn't remember play, yeah, Antonio he didn't end up playing. Well, playing a running back with a ripped knee is not going to, you know, that's just not going to work. But I, I think he took a lot of flack for that because Rivers was going to play, and then LT didn't. And then Antonio Gates also had a had some injury and he didn't have a good game. So the Chargers possibly had their best team right. and they were playing against a really good Indianapolis Colts team and they were like 13 and 3 that year. I guess we'll never find out how good the Chargers 
were that season because that was their best chance to get to the Super Bowl. There's one game that also comes to mind, and I had to look it up because I wasn't sure about the year. It was the year prior to 2007 and 2006. Do you remember when they had the lead on the Patriots with like six minutes left? They were up by eight, and then I think it was McCree who intercepted that pass, and on the return, he fumbles it. The Patriots march down. They score a touchdown and the two-point conversion. Then Brady marches down. They kick a field goal to take the lead. Then Phillip Rivers takes them down. And then I think the, the Chargers kicker, I don't remember who it was, but he missed like a 50-plus yard kick. Another opportunity that kind of slipped away. This was in the divisional round. This was not an AFC championship game. So you never know what would have happened to the Chargers once they would have gotten to the AFC Championship game. But that was also a heartbreaker because Phillip Rivers played a good game. I mean, he limited his mistakes against the Patriots. And so that that was a tough blow to take. But if you don't go to a Super Bowl, it's tough to be included with the all-time greats because do you see how Eli Manning is is perceived? Oh yeah, his Eli numbers Manning, aren't anywhere near. In terms of, yeah, his numbers are, in terms of the yeah, numbers. I mean, in terms of the numbers, th- these two will always speaking, be yeah. comparable to each other because they got traded for each other, right? Eli didn't want to play for the Chargers, so they took Philip. Eli went to the New York Giants, so these two guys are always going to be compared. But Eli won two Super Bowls in New York, and Philip won none. So that that's a tough blow to Philip Rivers. So I agree with you. He's in the top twenty, but he's just a distant guy. Unless you get to the Super Bowl or win it, you're always going to be talked about. Yeah, you had great numbers, but right that or if you're just a generational talent like Dan Marino was, where you know he did put up all the numbers, played for Shula, played for uh, I guess uh, a more historic uh, NFL franchise. Uh, so he had a lot of things, but again, he was a trans—he was a transformational guy. I mean, he was like maybe maybe Mahomes before Mahomes. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be tough sledding for him because again, those two guys, Ben and Eli, both have Super Bowl championships, and uh, Philip does not. Fifth in all time yardage, only you know, Breeze, Brady, Peyton, Favre ahead of him. Sixth in TDs. Passer rating, he's in the top 20 all time, you know, 95 passer rating. I mean, it's just, you know, the numbers are there, but like you said, I mean, there's no huge wins or uh, MVPs or anything like that. No team has been hotter than Miami lately. And to help us break down the Dolphins, we're joined by award-winning columnist from the Sun Sentinel, Dave Hyde. Dave, how is sunny Florida? Uh, it's uh, cool off, thank God, finally, and uh, hurricane season's behind us, so uh, now we just have this uh, nagging virus to worry about, but um, fortunately we got a, for the first time in years, it looks like the dolphins are relevant. I think they are. I mean, since, I would say since the Marino days, right? I mean, they've got a five-game winning streak, and they're pushing for a playoff spot. What has been the biggest difference for this team here lately? Well, they got a good defense. Start start with that. They uh, have shut down good to moderately good, good offenses, um, but they got a great secondary. Can cover guys all over the field. And uh, Brian Flores has brought a a discipline to the team that uh, was lacking. They, you know, Adam Gaze. They were uh, 
one of the more penalized teams in the league. And, and really, you saw it last week. You saw who the Dolphins were in the Chargers. The uh, Chargers jumping off sides on a field goal attempt that gave the Dolphins a ball again, and they got a touchdown. They, they uh, personal foul that turned a fourth and two into fourth and 17 when they, you know, late in the game when the Chargers need to go for it. And, and then Pond hits the ground and bounces 20 yards. Those are the plays the Dolphins made for years. And, you know, you add those on to a few other plays, and, and it was a reminder of, of how far the Dolphins have come. They're a much more disciplined team um, with a good defense, and now you're seeing Tua Tagovailoa get in there, and they're starting to expand the offense under him. You know, they've improved a lot this year, and there's no reason to think they won't keep improving over the next month. Even to, to take last year, Dave, I mean, this defense was one of the worst in terms of giving up points per game. And and this year, they're one of the best so far. I mean, it's it's an amazing turnaround. How has Flores been able to, to, to fix that issue in, in such a short time span? Well, he went out and gave the biggest contract to Byron Jones, a cornerback, has had. And he got Xavier Howard, who has the second biggest contract contract for cornerback back now he's got two sh- shutdown cornerbacks gave kyle van noy 52 million he went out and got a couple free agent defensive ends so it, it started really with getting Xavier howard back healthy this year um he leads or he's tied for the lead in uh, uh interceptions in the league um and 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 then the, the, their free agent buys on defense have been really good they've uh come in and and all of a sudden they've gone from a you know just a bad defense that you you really it really wasn't doing anything last year to a a defense that uh has turned into a weapon and in the last month or so it's it's uh you know it was the the lowest scoring defense in the league last week and i'm not sure if it still carries that this week but they're right they're up up at the top in that and points allowed that, that's really where it started, and they're surprisingly they don't have a great running game, but they have a a very an offense that scores points, and that's uh, credit to Chan Gailey and and you know a lot of the uh, you know first Ryan Fitzpatrick and now uh, two of them come in there and played good quarterback. Hey Dave, this is Lou jumping in now, so uh, kind of tag team you here today. Uh, hey, Lou. How are you doing? We're staying on the defensive side of the ball, okay? You mentioned some of the uh, free agent moves, uh, Kyle Van Noy. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned Shaq Lawson. Emmanuel Ogba, which is one that, you know, for my money, is that that's probably the steal. But Byron Jones, of course. In your mind, watching him play, which one has been, I guess, the most valuable of those moves? Well, for what they want to do with the defense, uh, Byron Jones has. In fact, he missed the first few games. I think he had a thigh or a hamstring, uh, some soft tissue. And from the time he's come back was really when the defense made a big step. Because now you, Flores could do what he wants to do with the defense. He's got, he can shut down the receiver and go put those guys locking down on the defense and then or on the receiver, the opposing receivers, and then um, run different blitz schemes. Or I think they ran 20 all-out blitzes against, against the Cardinals. Um, not that it really worked against Kyle Murray, but it tells you how aggressive they've been with, with the the defense. And in good part, because their back end is really good. They have a very, not just the two cornerbacks, but starting with them, they got 
some talent back there covering receivers. So I get it with Ogba, seven sacks. Um, you know, his, his problem was staying healthy. Um, and, and so if he can get the year healthy, you think he could get the double-digit sacks. Um, you know, the other guy that I haven't mentioned, like Kyle Van Noy, they're moving him all over, as, as New England did. And, and Flores obviously knew him up in New England. Um, they're moving him all over. He started an outside linebacker two weeks ago. He was an inside linebacker this past week. But uh, they find places to use his talents and, and disrupt the offense. Okay, well, moving to the uh, the offensive side of the ball now, and I'm sure Tua's name seems to come up a lot, so let's jump right in on that. He, the other day, he mentioned that maybe the transition to the NFL was a little easier than he thought. Were, were you on that Zoom call, or what, what was your impression about that? I wasn't on that call, um, but... Hey, he had better receivers at Alabama. He had a better line at Alabama. I mean, <laughs> probably for him, the transition was almost a step down in talent from uh, Alabama. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little. Look at look at what the quarterbacks or the young quarterbacks are doing anymore. I don't think it's a oh wait years, you know, two three years to know what you have anymore. Um, Burrow looks good. Justin Herbert looks good. Tua, after three games, you say, okay, if that's who he is. Um, yeah, it obviously needs to progress a little, but there's no reason anymore that a lot of these guys are stepping in and where, um, look, even Mahomes sat out one year, then he's in the AFC Championship game second year. A lot of these guys, you're almost, they're getting such a progression in college. And also at the same time, I think the NFL is using some of the concepts from college rather than the other way around, making the quarterbacks learn everything. Uh, different in the pros or at least more advanced and sophisticated they're, they're helping them more so I, I guess in that respect maybe it is isn't what Tua thought it would be but he had such good coaching in a sophisticated system and for college at Alabama that that's one always one of the issues of players out of Alabama are they going how much better are they going to get in the pros when they got such good coaching and surrounding talent there absolutely now do you think that the move Going to Tua was predetermined. In other words, it was like, okay, once we get to the bye, he'll we'll determine he's healthy, ready to go. Let's get him in there. Or do you think something else was at play? I think it had to be predetermined to the bye because it was a, you know, two weeks earlier, Brian Flores was saying, we're not going to rush him. And if, if he's my son, if I'm his dad, I'm not going to. I don't want him to be pressured in the plan there. And he's talking up Fitzpatrick. And so it was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, and the word, the privately, the word you're told, oh, he's not ready. You know, we don't see practices and, and as the season starts, but the word drifting out was, oh, he's just not ready. He's not ready. And then boom, they surprised everybody and, and starting him. But I, I mean, my thought all along was if we get to mid season and he's not playing, something's wrong. Cause he, he was supposed to be possibly the number one pick overall, and then he slipped to five because of injury. If he's healthy, he should be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's 37, turning 38 in December. He's he's a journeyman quarterback. He was he was playing very well, and and he was a lot of fun to watch. I, I got to admit, he's a lot more fun to watch and to cover than I would have expected. But he was still the 17th ranked quarterback in the league when he was playing really well. I'm, I'm sorry, Tua 
you, you drafted him, get him in there, start to find out what you have. And, and I know the Dolphins shot down the story by Adam Schefter, but it, it just passes common sense. By next draft, you want to have an idea of what you have in Tua because they have two draft number one draft picks and a high one, probably a top ten, and you want to know, do we have to use that on a quarterback? As you look at it right now, I mean, Tua has only started three games. He is 3-0. and Do you think the Dolphins, from your perspective – have found their franchise quarterback? Yeah, you know, as, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, and that's, uh, that's a big if, considering, you know, he, two minor ankle surgeries, but two ankle surgeries nonetheless at Alabama and the big hip injury. So, but yeah, you've seen him make plays starting when the game asked him to at Arizona when Kyler Murray was... was um, making plays, and it was like a game of horse between him and Kyler Murray. Then you go to last week, and not as much as was asked of him. They got a 14 nothing lead early. Um, and good part of his first, the first offensive play was at the one yard line, and uh, for a one yard dive for a touchdown, they're up seven nothing. So they got that 14 nothing, and then you know don't lose the game. I mean, he made some plays, um, the necessary plays, but he just played winning football. So you've seen him make plays that you say okay if this is who he is they got their answer now you know obviously you need a little consistency and sustainability but like for instance when Ryan Tannehill came up the first year you didn't see the the type of dynamic plays that two is making right now Bovada has the Dolphins as a three and a half point favorite over the Broncos this weekend let me ask you this Dave is Brian Flores the front runner for Coach of the Year honors? Because I don't think many people expected the Dolphins to be in this position right now. Yeah, especially when they were 1-3. and three. Um, They pulled off five straight wins. You, you know, I haven't gone to the checklist of who else is out there, but he has to rank up there in the conversation. I, I mean, if they keep playing like this. And, and really, the schedule's set up. Um, they play the Broncos, and they play the Jets and the Bengals. So there's a good chance... Um, they're, they'll be favored to be nine and three, and then the schedule gets a little tougher the last month. I think the conversation about the Dolphins, especially a because of the way they're playing, they one of five straight, and, and really kind of find their identity on how they want to play, and then b the next few games. Uh, strange to say about for me for covering the Dolphins through so much thin in the last twenty years, but they'll be favored in the next few games and so they could be nine and three and you get to that level and the conversation will go up on brian flores as coach of the year and look where they were a year ago look what they put together this year he should be certainly in the conversation by december for coach of the year totally agree with you there dave uh now he's been pushing a lot of the right buttons i mean he's only been there a year and a half and, and you're talking about this team going to the playoffs from where they were is just amazing one of the more i guess controversial moves or maybe surprising moves i don't know from my perspective it was he had brought in chad o'Shea as his offensive coordinator and moved off him after one season do you have any insight there as to why? Was it just <laughs> no, that, Ga- that Gailey became became enamored with maybe getting back into the game, or what do you think? Well, it wasn't just him. He also moved uh, on from his defensive coordinator. And, and any time 
coaches come in, you expect them to have consistency of a staff, right? Especially at the start, the way to get the way to win in the NFL, get two coordinators, get the system in place, get players in that system. And, and yet after his first season, he threw out his two biggest hires of both coordinators. As I wrote at the time, and everybody was surprised um, outside of Brian Flores' office, everybody was surprised. I, I wrote, well, he's not afraid of bold moves, but let's see if they're good moves. I mean, and and you look at the results. Chan Gailey's doing very well with not great, not not bad, but a lot of young. On they're at times played three rookies on the offensive line, and and pretty much always two. Now they got a rookie quarterback. They don't have really a running back. Um, they're on their fourth one. That's one place they whiffed at free agency at running back. Um, yeah, Chan Gailey has brought a a creativeness to the offense. And then um, it's Josh Boyer's the defensive coordinator, but it's hard to think Flores doesn't have a hand in saying, here's what I want to do this week. Those are other moves that have worked out for Flores, uh, uh, changing his staff up. Okay. Well, you mentioned discipline a few times earlier, and a lot is made of the so-called Patriot way. Right. I mean, it's just uh, efficient offense, strong defense, special teams, you know, and so forth. Does this team have a, a Patriots feel to it? I mean, I guess it would be hard to say no, but I guess in some ways, maybe describe it for us. Well, on the field, I would say, yeah, I guess there are tendencies in that defensively. The Patriots invest in the in the secondary. That's really where Belichick's always invested in. The Dolphins are doing the same, and they they decide we can uh, perhaps underpay or not overvalue is a better way to say it. Front seven and and win with schemes up there. So that in that sense, the Patriot discipline, yeah, they're, they're just low penalized, not making dumb plays. You know, the rule first rule of winning is don't beat yourself, and 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 you know that that's something that Flores says adopted and you'd have to say that's from Belichick as far as you know is he adopting Belichick's way no and and really there's one huge obvious difference between Belichick and Flores and that is Belichick rules by fear if you watch him you understand that concept whereas Flores he wants to get to know the players have them like him slash respect him and from that relationship, he will get the best out of them. That's his personal philosophy. And so it's a whole different – it's closer to Pete Carroll, really, than it is Belichick. You know, it's certainly not a soft or a friendly relationship, but it is – there's one based on getting to know players and, and deciding, yeah, there can be some fun here. We can joke around some. Um and so in that regard, he hasn't fallen into – and he probably – it's just not his personality, I don't think, to to uh, try to be Bill Belichick as the head coach. Dave, having been uh, down there for so long and covered the Dolphins for so long – last question, but we'll let you go. What's been your favorite storyline that you've covered over the many years you've been down there? Hmm. <laughs> There's been so many bad ones here right in the last 20 years. Favorite storyline – um, well, we can scratch a bully gate. We can scratch uh, uh, the Nick Saban, the way he left here. The favorite storyline, it was really, for me, just just going out Sunday when Dan Marino was playing because, you know, it's like what Kansas City fans right now are finding with Patrick Mahomes or 
you know, Laker fans with LeBron or whatever. Excellence is always fun to watch. And getting a chance to go into a game or a season knowing you have a chance, not just to be re- relevant, but a chance for success and, and fun success. It was fun to watch Marino. It's just like it's fun to watch Mahomes. And, and uh, you're a football fan. There's a bit of jealousy that Kansas City gets a player like that, and and you don't. And so it's been pretty sparse on the good storylines around this franchise for the past 20 years. But So I have to dip further back into that. And it was really the Marino slash Shula um, years. Didn't bring a Super Bowl, but uh, uh, um, it, was, it was a lot of fun from Sunday to Sunday. Tremendous, Dave. We do appreciate your time. Really appreciate you uh, joining us, giving us your insights. And uh, how uh, can our listeners uh, check up on you? I think there was – is there a Twitter handle? Yeah, I have uh, – my account's just at Dave Hyde Sports. Um, so that would be the easiest way. And then I post my columns and video and all that stuff out there. Very good. Uh, again, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll check you down the road. Maybe the Dolphins make the playoffs this year, and we'll talk about that. Perfect. Great. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Moving on. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the NFC West. Uh, Obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but it's pretty, it's got to be the uh, most competitive division, the best division. You can call it any number of things. You got three teams vying for the top. San Francisco would be right there, you know, but for, you know, a bunch of injuries and Wow, just a mash unit that they're they're going out with. Again, the Rams seem to be coming on, uh, especially defensively. Uh, Seattle's fallen off a little bit. You know, maybe Russ is pressing too much. A lot of a lot of turnovers in the last few games, and Arizona seems to be surging. I mean, obviously there's there's some games that are very difficult, very close, down to the wire. Obviously, we talked about the Hale Murray here. I mean, that could have easily gone the other way. I, I'm really looking at the Rams and uh, what Coach Staley, Brandon Staley, has done with his defense. They seem to just be be, be gelling. I mean, they've, they've got playmakers, which seems like at every level. I mean, you've got Donald on the defensive line, arguably the best player in the league. Floyd, that they got from from Chicago, seems to have upped his game playing at the linebacker spot. The defensive bet, all the defensive backs. Jalen Ramsey, of course, he's the name that comes up all the time. But Johnny Johnson and and some of the other guys. I think the Rams right now. I mean, if you had to pick one, I think they because of the defense, because of the way McVeigh quote unquote protects his quarterback. I think that this could this could be a good formula for the Rams. I agree. I mean, the Rams are in there. They bounce back this season after failing uh, to do so last year. Uh, two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and last year they just fell off the, the face of the earth, you know, with the talk girly debacle and everything else. But, you know, if Gilmore defensive player of the year for the Patriots, then I think we should consider Jalen Ramsey up in there as well because he's having a similar type of season. And what he showed during that game against the Seahawks, I mean, he shut out DK Metcalf. Metcalf didn't have a target until like midway through the third quarter. DK Metcalf had two catches for 28 yards. Nobody has been able to stop this guy. Jalen Ramsey just took that side away and said, hey, 
I'm, I'm Ramsey here. I'm I'm going to take you out of the game, and he well, did. Well, that's the key to the, so that's got to be saying, the key to the game right there because Russ never got it going. Thirteen points is all they scored. That obviously makes the pass rush gives them an extra extra tick or two to get to get to Russ. But uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I respect the Rams in regards that they make some bold moves. They at times they make some reckless moves. It's not only the signing of Todd Gurley. A lot of folks do this. I mean, they, they take their star player and they give them an extension. You just never know about running backs in, in this day and age. But they made a bold move for Jalen Ramsey. They gave up two first-round picks. Who does that? Not many people do, but the Rams, they were confident. They wanted that shutdown corner when it didn't work out with Marcus Peters. So they just they reversed field and were like, all right, Peters isn't going to fit in. Who's the next guy? All right, Jalen Ramsey is unhappy with the Jags. Let's trade for him. So far, it's working out this season after they gave him an extension. He's certainly living up to that contract. Many times, guys get that extension and they just relax. They're not as dominant as they were. They're working for that next contract. So I was impressed with that. You mentioned that they still have Aaron Donald and they've got a a tough secondary that that's led by Jalen Ramsey and Jared Goff. I mean, he just, he found receivers open all day on Sunday. It was, they have a three running back committee. They, they seem to get it done with Malcolm Brown and, and Henderson and, and Cam Akers. They've, they've forgotten about Todd Gurley days. They're using three running backs. They're keeping them fresh and you don't know based on the personnel who's when they're going to be running it and when they're going to be throwing it because all three guys are capable receivers coming out of the backfield. So it's just it's really fun to see that creative offensive philosophy. So I'm there with you with the Rams. And this week, uh, Bovada has the Rams versus the Bucks, and they're actually what. The Bucks are a three and a half point favorites, right, against the Rams. Yes, it's in Tampa, so I mean, you naturally they they should be they should be favored. Uh, I'm kind of surprised the no, the number is at only three and a half, but I guess after that New Orleans mess the last time they played at home, maybe the odds makers are a little leery about making Tampa a bigger favorite. But yeah, that's a huge game. I mean, there's a lot of big games this week. Uh, we mentioned a couple of them already. And the the Cardinals, l- l- let's talk about the Cardinals and the Seahawks because, I mean, those are the other two teams in the NFC West. I mean, forget about my 49ers who've had too many injuries to speak of this year, and they're at crossroads right now whether Jimmy G is going to be the quarterback moving forward. It's just they've had too many injuries this year to even have a Sam shot. Darnold no next year. Can, Sam Darnold. Can recover from it. <laughs> it's a possibility. I think I've, you know, we've we've thrown his name out to the Indianapolis Colts. Sure. But I think he, he would fit really well in with Kyle Shanahan because he, he can use him rolling out of the pocket, use his ability to, to throw on the run. It's going to be fun. That would have been an awesome combination. If, but the Cardinals and the Seahawks, I mean, those are the two teams that have exciting offenses, Lou. But their defenses have have struggled immensely. I don't trust the Cardinals' defense, and I certainly don't trust the the Seahawks' secondary. No, not at all. And that's the thing. And I guess it's not quite the same. We talked about you know the the MVP thing, you know, mid season with with uh, let Russ cook and the whole thing. But eventually, 
you know, it just comes back to bite you in the butt when your defense can't stop anybody. And then too much is put on the quarterback. He's, Metcalf gets shut out. So, again, now, so now he's pressing. He's throwing, like, really bad interceptions. And I don't, that's really not like him. But he's, maybe there's too much on his shoulders. And with Metcalf not being uh, available for, what, for whatever reason, mostly Ramsey covering him. But, uh, yeah. But what, uh, what was, what's, what's the number, Arizona and Seattle? It's a Thursday night game, and Bavada has uh, has the Seahawks as uh, minus three points at, at home. Right, so, so you that, have, that's a bit surprising. You have I, to I realize be, they're you, they're a home dog. It's difficult to make you know a good teams home underdogs, and I mean unless they're playing one of the top teams in the league. So Seattle historically is a great home team. Obviously, this year, home field advantage isn't quite what it's always been in the past and quite is a a very huge understatement because uh, it's just you just don't get that energy from the crowd, the noise, everything. You know, it's just I can't imagine playing in quiet. I mean, unless, you know, you just it just seems like more like a pickup game. But, you know, the intensity is still there. The guys are still playing, but the feel of it is a little bit different. Lou, but I'm I'm still surprised because Arizona was able to upset the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. Right. Uh, that was that was obviously a tight game, but the Cardinals came out on top, and I realized that the Seahawks have revenge on their minds. And uh, speaking of revenge, we've got another big game in the AFC West: the Kansas oh, City Chiefs boy. versus the Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders are the only team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this season. Are you worried, Lou? I'm worried. I mean, every every game is, is a tough game, right? I mean, no matter what. I mean, you're playing NFL teams. But when you're sitting with that offense that they have, and in most cases the defense can kind of keep the other team, you know, within distance, I guess not. worried isn't, isn't the proper term. You know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. I mean, obviously, the, these teams still don't like each other. We don't have many huge rivalries in the NFL, but this goes back to the '60s when they first came into the AFL. And Gruden and uh, Reed, being you know, buddies, I mean, they came up together under Holmgren and Green Bay together. I mean, there's no no uh, secret there, and they seem pretty pretty tight. But this week, things are a little bit different. Evidently, after the game in Kansas City when they won, the story goes that uh, the Raiders team buses, before they left for the airport, circled the stadium, kind of like a victory lap a couple of times. And it was somewhat quietly reported. Local guy in Kansas City got the, got the scoop, if you would. And it kind of came up in uh, press conferences this week and... Gruden kind of laughed it off, and said, and he kind of said that there was a, the bus driver made some snide remarks. So you know he was kind of ticking him off, and said this is ridiculous. Next question, you know, in Reed's press conference, it comes up, and he's like, well, you know, that's really not our style. They beat us, so they can do whatever they want. But you know, we would never do that. Then he goes on to mention it a couple more times during the press conference. So. The coaches are a little bit heated. I'm sure the players are really heated. 
especially on the Chiefs side because there's a lot of a lot of pride on that side, and they don't defense doesn't take too kindly to giving up 40 points. Now they're not a shutdown defense, but giving up 40 really is unacceptable even for the you know for their standards so you know i'm expecting a big game i mean if mahomes if the chiefs have a chance to if as they say run up the score you never know you you just never know even though these guys are buddies i'm sure you know the competitive juices are there and you mahomes may go off that's all i'm saying well, the Raiders have a terrible defense, especially that secondary. So the the Chiefs, I think, can do anything they want to to the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday. And Bovada has the Chiefs as a seven-point favorite on the road versus Las Vegas Raiders. That's the only thing Feel, that worries me, being a seven-point favorite on the road, you know, as far as, you know, I guess, the the betting aspect of it. That's a, That's a tough deal. Well, the Chiefs are down right now on the offensive line. They, they've got a couple offensive tackles that won't play. Uh, they're banged up up front. So I think the question is going to be, would they be able to, to keep Patrick Mahomes upright? You know what the Raiders want to do. They want to run the football with Josh Jacobs. And Derek Carr had a lot of success that game. I think I looked it up. I mean, the Raiders put up almost 500 yards. Oh, yeah. He, was, he, really, cut it, he really cut it loose, which is kind of goes against the grain for him. But, uh, hey, they had a game plan. It worked. You know, it worked great. You know, I mean, they were able to go toe-to-toe. I mean, they got down. They brought it back. And then they just kind of put it in the meat grinder as you would in the you know late in the game and the second half the Chiefs really didn't have many possessions so you got to tip your hat you know they they did what they had to do to win and I believe it'll be a good game but like I said the the juices are flowing for sure on this one apparently Lou you had a rough week well uh, in terms of making to the say rough and that <laughs> Yeah, I'm coming out of the gate. Uh, even I mean, we started the show, you know, halfway through the season or whatever. I'm overall four, six, and one. Last week was one, two, and one, and it, the the tie was kind of obviously on the Hale Murray was kind of a, a, a lucky play. At, you know, the Packers win by twenty four to twenty, and they they never had a very big lead in that game. They were given thirteen. Uh, did win with Miami, so that uh, that worked out pretty well. And then my ugly game of the week didn't quite make it. Chicago. It's just so it's 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 hard to watch when you watch these great offenses play and they make it look so easy. And then you watch the Bears and you wonder: Is this the same league? Are these guys playing the same sport? Because they just seem it's just so difficult for them to do anything on offense, running the ball, passing it, whatever it is. They can't score, so it truly was the ugly game of the week. It, it takes you back to those Buddy Ryan days, you know, when the when the Bears were running that forty six defense and they were, you know, shutting teams down. And uh, it, it seems like the Bears and they have a good defense. They they have to go back like thirty years in order to compete. Bring in the bring NFL McMahon back. <laughs> I mean, they, they had you know they yeah could, why not they could score I mean, some the points. Hair. I mean, maybe they hair yeah. worked for the. Bears. It was a different era, but I, I hear what you're saying. Where you know the defense is kind of the leader here. So let's take another crack at this. Now, as I mentioned, we there's there's a lot of big games, and I think I don't think any of my picks fall into any of those games that we talked about a lot of good games out there but here here are the picks i look for a couple of small home favorites that i think are playing pretty well 
not really winning, but I think their opponents will kind of lead us to believe that they're going to win those games. And the two right there is going to be Carolina minus one and a half over Detroit. That's in Carolina. Again, all these lines are according to Bovada uh, as we speak today on Wednesday. Uh, Washington, also a one and a half point favorite at home against Cincinnati. Alex Smith making another start. God bless him and, you know, comeback player of the year, man. Either him, I don't know, maybe Roethlisberger. You never know. But uh, what Alex came back with is just horrific. We talked about this a couple of weeks, and we talked about the NFC South. I just Something about Atlanta. I just think they're playing really good, much better than earlier in the season. They still have all those offensive weapons. We're going to see either Jameis or Taysom Hill at quarterback or a combination of the two. I don't know which, but New Orleans is a five-point favorite. I'm going to take Atlanta with the five points. I mean, you know, I'm crazy. My record shows that, but I'm going to go with Atlanta. And then the ugly game of the week, yes, Houston at home getting two from New England. New England as a favorite against anybody is just seems awfully scary. Houston is not good at all, but I think Deshaun Watson makes enough plays. They'll win that game getting two points at home. So there they are. Four games, read them and weep. What do you think, Alex? That is the ugly game oh, of the yes. week, Lou, because there, there's no way the Houston Texans will beat the Patriots. Okay. It's, I mean, with all thanks due for respect, the, thanks for the just, that's, Alex. that's not happening. I like the other picks, but I think you should have stuck with the Patriots. I think the Patriots will win another game. And I just think the Texans are in a dumpster all fire. Right. Uh, thanks well, to I'm gonna, I'm jumping in that dumpster with them. I'm taking those two points, and yeah, just hopefully Deshaun goes off. Anyway, folks, that is going to do it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, a lot of stuff that we got caught up on. So that's going to do it again, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Tune in next week for more pros like us. He's Alex. I'm Lou. On the way out, we wish you peace.